I don't know what you're facing, but somewhere along the line in, in life, you will face one of these problems, and maybe you're facing them right now. There are people in this congregation and hearing my voice who are facing marital problems, and, and they don't know the way out. They don't know the solution. They're going through such a horrible time, and nobody else probably knows about it but it's such a miserable time and they don't know how God's gonna solve it and then maybe they're not even looking to him, but God has allowed you to be in that situation because only he can solve it. He wants you to go his way. And the word of God tells us, no matter how bad it is, God has answers in his word for your marital problems. A company I used to work for had a euphemism for problems. The official term was opportunity. We didn't have problems, we had opportunities. Well, call them what you will. For us, they are problems. For God, however, they really are opportunities. In fact, God providentially permits or even arranges those things in our lives that give Him an opportunity to demonstrate His ability to meet our every need. Our natural reaction is to feel trapped, desperate, and maybe to even give up hope when things just look impossible. When we finally say, God, I give up, I don't know what to do, please help me. That's when God says, well, it's about time you gave up now. Watch this. When we surrender, God does amazing things. Welcome to Verse by Verse and the conclusion of Pastor Teacher Steve Kreloff's third message about the heroes of the faith. Pastor Steve, who serves at Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida, has been leading us in a series of lessons from Hebrews chapter 11. Pastor Steve has been teaching for over 25 years at Lakeside. This radio Bible class is an extension of that teaching ministry. If you would like to follow along in your Bible, turn now to Romans chapter 4, verse 20. Our main text is Hebrews chapter 11, but there is plenty of information about Abraham in other places besides Hebrews and Genesis. Paul wrote quite a bit about Abraham in the book of Romans, and Pastor Steve will start off right there in verse 20 of chapter 4. So let's get ready for class. Here is Pastor Steve. Yet with respect to the promise of God, he did not waver in unbelief, but grew strong in faith, giving glory to God and being fully assured that what he had promised, he was able also to perform. Now, this is the kind of faith that God wants us to have. This is not some ancient historical figure who, who was different than us. This is a man who is just like us, men and, and women. This is the kind of faith God wants every one of us to have, a bold faith that refuses to be discouraged by the circumstances of life, but trust God to do what appears to be impossible. Of course, you have to have a promise from God on this. And the Word of God has many promises to us. A faith that faces the impossible with boldness and, and doesn't deny the facts. That's important, too. You know, some today uh, in certain movements uh, would say, um, if, if Abraham was living today, they would say something like this. Well, uh, Abraham would look at Sarah and say, she's not really old. She just appears that way. She's not really reproductively dead. If you think that she is, she will be. So let's just have some positive thinking. No, I, I love it that Abraham didn't try to do some mental gymnastics. He said, the woman is old and she's dead reproductively and I'm almost dead myself. And he faced the facts. That's faith. And he still trusted God. 
didn't try to, with wishful thinking, say, no, you just, if you think she's old, she'll be old. She's really not old. She said she's 90 years old. So I think that's important that he faced the facts and he said, this is an impossible situation, but God said it would happen, and I believe him. Uh, I want to just... Uh, digress here or divert to another to another thought related to this because this is what Jesus referred to as mountain moving faith mountain moving faith and and we find this in Mark chapter 11 so let's let's look there at Mark 11 as i said a few minutes ago there is so much uh, uh, really heretical teaching about faith today bizarre teaching absurd teaching that we really uh, have to take our time going through this and we may not even finish with Abraham today i have plenty of pages of notes but i i really want you to understand this whole issue of faith jesus spoke in mark chapter 11 about faith that moves mountains he said in verse 20 as they were passing by uh in the morning, they saw the fig tree withered from the roots up. Now, let me just explain what went on here. The day before, Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem. It's the last week of, of his ministry on earth. And uh, he saw a fig tree that deceived him. He, he saw a fig tree that looked like it had plenty of figs, and it didn't. It just had foliage, and it looked like it could feed him but it did not, and he cursed that fig tree and it withered. And when we studied Mark, we saw that, uh, that that was really symbolic of Israel. They appeared to be one thing, really have faith back in, in those days, but they had nothing. There was no fruit. They were a barren tree. And the Lord is simply demonstrating what they're like. But that was the day before. And I don't think Peter and the disciples had a clue as to what the Lord was really saying here, but the next day they passed this tree again because they had gone back from Jerusalem back to Bethany and then would travel back each day going back and forth. And uh, they passed that tree again and it said that it withered, verse 20, from the roots up. And being reminded, Peter said to him, that is to Christ, Rabbi, behold, the fig tree which you cursed has withered. See, that, that blew his, his mind away. In fact, uh, in Matthew, it says that all of them were astonished. It shouldn't have, Jesus said, be withered. And Jesus answering or answered said to them, have faith in God. Have faith in God. Now, Peter and the other disciples weren't really interested in why Jesus had cursed the fig tree. What astounded them was how the fig tree could wither so soon. And so Jesus said in verse 22, he said to them, have faith in God and then he took this opportunity to explain to them what real faith should be like. Verse 23, truly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be taken up and cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says is going to happen, it shall be granted him. Amazing statement. One that I think has been grossly misunderstood. One that is not to be taken literally. You say, you don't take the Bible literally? No, I do. I take the Bible in its normal language unless by taking the Bible uh, in a literal way, which would be normal, uh, if I, the way you interpret the Bible is if you, if you take something literally and it is absurd, then you have to figure that it's said in a figuratively, uh, figurative speech. And that's what this is. Let me explain. If you took this literally, he says in verse 23, if you say to this mountain, now he had a particular mountain in mind. He didn't just say any mountain. He said, this mountain, what mountain would that be? It would be the Mount of Olives, the Mount of Olives, because we know that he was on his way from Bethany to Jerusalem, and he'd have to go over the Mount of Olives every day. 
So he was referring to this mountain. And then he spoke about the sea. You take this mountain and you cast it into the sea. What was the sea? The sea was the Dead Sea, which is very visible from the Mount of Olives. Now, did Jesus actually mean that if someone had genuine faith and didn't doubt in his heart, he could actually order the Mount of Olives to take a 4,000-foot plunge into the Dead Sea? I don't think so. I don't think the Lord's ministry with the disciples were uh, into uprooting mountains and doing those kinds of things. No, that's, what, that's not what he was talking about. Christ never used his power to perform spectacular miracles for the sake of showmanship, and that's exactly what this would be. It would serve no other purpose. I'm reminded of the time that the Pharisees said to Jesus, show us a sign, call down fire from heaven. And Jesus said, no, no, it wouldn't accomplish anything. Jesus was not a showman. So what does it mean to be a remover of mountains? Why did he use that expression if he wasn't referring to it literally? And, and I, you just know the disciples understood that he wasn't saying you could cast. So who wants to cast the, the, uh, the Mount of Olives into the Dead Sea? Then how would tourists enjoy it today? You know, so that's ridiculous. In Jewish literature... The term remover of mountains was a famous expression. It referred to Jewish rabbis who could solve great problems. Solve great problems and remove great obstacles, uh, sometimes obstacles of, and most of the time, theological interpretation of the commentaries and the law and things like that. It was just an expression. They all understood that, remover of mountains. In other words, they could do the impossible, like removing mountains and casting them into the sea in a figurative sense. That's what he means. So the point of all this is to say that God wants us to have the kind of faith in his power to accomplish what is humanly impossible. That's the whole point. Not change the land of Israel. Not go around uh, going around doing absurd things to kind of prove that God has power. That's not the point. God has nothing to prove. God wants us to trust him and to depend upon him. And that is why. This becomes very practical. That is why God so often puts us in impossible situations that we can't solve. He wants us to be in those kinds of situations. He puts you there so that you'll have to turn to him and rely on him to do what no one else can do. Rely on his word. Fall on your face before him because there's nothing else that anyone can do, including yourself. I don't know what you're facing, but somewhere along the line in, in life, you will face one of these problems, and maybe you're facing them right now. There are people in this congregation and hearing my voice who are facing marital problems, and, and they don't know the way out. They don't know the solution. They're going through such a horrible time, and nobody else probably knows about it. But it's such a miserable time, and they don't know how God's going to solve it, and then maybe they're not even looking to him. But God has allowed you to be in that situation because only he can solve it. He wants you to go his way. And the word of God tells us, no matter how bad it is, God has answers in his word for your marital problems. Then there are others who are going through extreme financial difficulties. They don't have any clue as to how their bills are going to be paid or how their debts are going to be taken care of or how they're going to do this or that. God has allowed us to be in those situations so that we'll look to him and get his solution. And the Bible gives the solutions. The Bible is very clear on, on trusting God. 
and being a good steward. And then there are others who are going through family heartaches. Doesn't have to be marital problems, but family heartaches. A son, a daughter, a relative, a brother, a sister, something that just looks absolutely incredible. There's no solution to it. God says he's the solution. It's an impossible situation. You can talk to others and get advice till you're blue in the face, but it's an impossible situation. Unless God does it, it won't get done. Then there are others who have business concerns, and things just are not going right. Maybe it's something that has stretched out so long and long and long, and you say, what is the solution to this? I don't know. I've done everything that they taught me in business school to do, and it still doesn't add up. It's an impossible situation. It's just where God wants you. Then there are church conflicts that God allows, maybe in your own ministry. There's some problem. There's some difficulty. You can consume your mind thinking about it and even worrying, and that would be wrong. But no matter where you turn, you can't come up with a solution. God wants us to be in that situation where we finally say, look, I can't do it myself. It's impossible. See, this is how God develops our faith. Indeed, God specializes in the impossible. I think he must get great satisfaction in doing for us what we can never even begin to do on our own. It's not fun at all when we are floundering helplessly in what looks like a sinking and doomed boat. But once God has done what only he can do, we can look back and see that God had it all under control the entire time. We can praise him for his wisdom, love, and power. We're just going to take a short pause to welcome those who might have just joined us. Then we'll get back to Pastor Steve as he ties together what we know of Abraham's experiences with what we go through today to see how important it is to always trust in the Lord in every situation. You are listening to Verse by Verse with Pastor Teacher Steve Kreloff of Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. If you missed the start of class, you can listen online at the web address that I'll give at the conclusion of today's program. Now, let's get back to our study. Let's look at Abraham. Think about him for a moment. How did God develop Abraham's faith? When Abraham was younger, he believed that God would give him a son, only thought it would be very natural. Natural means Sarah wasn't that old and he wasn't that old. I mean, people lived a lot longer then. And... uh, He had no problem with that. But as he got older, he got a little more frustrated. He was getting older and more concerned, uh, a greater concern to him was that Sarah was getting older. And God hadn't given him the answer to his prayers and the answer to the the, uh, promise. And I look at that and I say, you know, that's why, and this is one reason why God doesn't always answer our prayers immediately. Why he delays in answering our prayers. Sometimes it's in order to develop our faith, in order to allow us to get into such a deep situation that we will have to look to him and say, it's impossible any other way. See, it wasn't an impossibility when Abraham was younger. It just would do what every married couple does. You know, voila, there's a child. But when you've got a 100-year-old man and a 90-year-old woman, that doesn't work like that. If God doesn't pull it off, it doesn't get done. See, and, and that's why many times God delays in answering our prayers, because if he answered right away, we'd say, sure, it's no big deal. But when you get so deep and you can't see any other solution, then you say, God, I'm, I'm serious about this. You have to do it. I trust you. 
You'll be glorified by this because there's no human solution to this problem. So take heart, be encouraged by that. Sometimes God delays in answering our prayers because he wants it to get so ridiculously hopeless that your faith will be developed and, and you'll turn to him. And instead of your own conniving, scheming ways, which is what Abraham did, he really schemed. He thought God needed a little help. That's sometimes what we do. And faith is living without scheming, trusting God to do the impossible. And once again, as we turn back to Hebrews chapter 11, once again we see that the key is the character of God. That is, that is really the, the issue here. It isn't simply that God has given a promise. It's who is God that he has promised? Who is God that he has promised? Verse 11 says at the end, since she considered him faithful who had promised. Abraham and Sarah considered God faithful who had promised. It isn't that they just had a promise. It's that God who gave it to them is faithful. That's the reason why you can trust him. Would you look at Titus, please? Titus chapter 1. I'm always encouraged by this verse. Uh, sometimes we wonder, can God do everything? The answer is no. No. There are certain things God cannot do. And in Titus chapter 1, we're faced with something God can't do. Verse 2, Titus 1, 2, in the hope of eternal life, which God, who cannot lie, promised long ages ago. God cannot lie. God cannot sin. God cannot promise to do something and then go back on it. No, God cannot do everything. God can do anything within the, the, the parameters of his character and nature. God will not go out of his character, will not go out of his nature and attributes to, to accomplish something. No, God cannot sin. Jesus could not have sinned. And this is a wonderful verse saying God cannot lie. So God is faithful to keep his word. His character is such that we can count on him to keep his promise. And I don't know what you're going through. Maybe it's loneliness. Well, then you have to fall back on the promise that says, Lo, I'm, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. Maybe you're going through a, a, a problem with, Lord, I'm so lonely, uh, I, would, I would like some companionship. And, you know, you've got to fall back on the word of God. Maybe you're going, as I said before, through a financial difficulty, and you have to fall back on God's promises. You seek first my kingdom, my righteousness, I'll give you everything you need. I may not give you luxuries, but I'll give you everything you need. Then again, he might give you luxuries, but you don't have a promise for that. So if he does, just say thank you, because that's not part of the promise. Uh, there, there are so many promises, you just have to fall on God and uh, fall on him and say, Lord, you, this is an impossible situation, so I'm glad, because I'm, I'm going to stop worrying about it, because I can't figure it out anyway. You accomplish it. I leave it with you. Do you have that kind of faith? Do you have that kind of faith that is bold like that? This is not arrogant boldness. This is, this is dependency boldness. This is humble boldness. Do you have that kind of faith? The faith that, that, uh, that dares to let God be God. That boldness that says, God, you've promised or you've put a burden on my heart. It's so clear. I believe you. I believe you're faithful. I'll take you at your word. I'll trust you to do what no one else can do. 
And I might add that when you're going through the, the deepest times, especially if there's a financial problem, do not scheme. In all situations, don't scheme, but especially do not pray in the presence of a wealthy person and call it faith. You, you know what I mean? Say, so, oh, did I do that? Yeah, yeah, because the heart is desperate and, and wicked. But don't do that. Or someone you think could help solve your problem, don't just say, oh, by the way, this is a prayer request. It's not to go anywhere from this room, but this is a prayer. And what you really mean is, can't you meet my need? No, don't do that. Don't do that. You tell God and God alone so that when he answers, you'll have the pleasure and joy of saying, uh, of seeing God at work and, and be encouraged by that. This is the kind of faith that Abraham had. This is the kind of faith that we, that we need to have. And so I just want to close with have, having you turn to Jeremiah 32. I have many more pages of notes, but I know you've made your plans. And so we'll, uh, we'll come back and look further. But Jeremiah 32, verse 17. Wonderful verse. Take heart, meditate on, on it during the week, and see what God does. It says, Ah, Lord God, behold, thou hast made the heavens and the earth by thy great power and by thine outstretched arm. Nothing is too difficult for thee. Do you think that God, who made the heavens and the earth out of nothing, has a problem with your problem? I mean, think of it. That's absurd. God, who made the heavens and the earth, can't, can't meet your marital needs, can't minister to you in your loneliness, can't solve that business problem, can't meet your financial concerns? No, of course not. Then, same chapter, verse 27, Behold, I am the Lord, the God of all flesh. Is anything too difficult for me? That's a great verse for us to memorize. Is anything too difficult for me? And of course the answer is no. No, you're the Lord, the God of all flesh. You made everything. You can take care of any problem I have. Abraham and Sarah trusted God to do what was humanly impossible. You and I, today, this week, in our own times, need to trust God to do for us what is humanly impossible because the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob lives today. An old friend of mine used to say, nothing difficult is ever easy. Well, people would usually do a double take or laugh or just say, of course. Of course, nothing difficult is ever easy. There's nothing like making a profound statement of the obvious to break the tension in a tough work situation. But with God, not only is the difficult easy, even the impossible is effortless. He spoke the entire universe into existence in all its vastness and microscopic detail. For him, even creating everything out of nothing was easy. To believe that he would struggle to meet our needs is a great insult. You have been listening to Verse by Verse with Pastor Teacher Steve Kreloff of Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. Pastor Steve has been teaching there since 1981. This daily radio program is made possible by the grace of God and the work of Verse by Verse Ministries. Verse by Verse Ministries is a faith ministry supported by the gifts and prayers of listeners who have first been faithful to their own local church. Our web address is versebyverseradio.org. You can listen to this program or to many of our previous classes by following the appropriate links. 
Listen right there online or download with the right click for listening later on. We also offer a free podcasting service if you would like to make sure that you don't miss any classes. There's also a link to a page where you can subscribe to our complimentary newsletter. Once more, the website is versebyverseradio.org. Now, if you would like to hear the entire message at once with no breaks or announcements, you can order either a CD or audio cassette. Just call us at 727-239-0306. Leave your name and a number and we'll return your call during weekday office hours. That number again, 727-239-0306. We hope you can join us for our next class in order to find out all we can about the amazing example Abraham set for us and how studying his faith can bolster our own. Until then, may God bless you richly.